Let us begin our Thanksgiving sermon with prayer. God, our Father, you made us and we belong to you. Keep us mindful of your goodness that with thankful hearts we may sing your praise who alone is worthy of honor and glory together with your Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The text for our sermon is Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 10 through 18. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your forefathers as it is today. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, isn't it amazing how the absence of something makes us thankful? For example... I'm thankful to have uh, electronic uh, music in substitute for a keyboardist, but after trying to sing hymn 613, Come You Thankful People, Come, I'm thankful for our keyboardists all the more. What a contrast we can say in those differences between our views when something is absent, how it makes the heart grow fonder, if you will. For eight years, I served in an area that was, that was uh, all agriculture. In our economy, having really gone bad, though really in many ways the worst our economy's been since the dirty 30s and the stock market crash that came on that Black Friday, I've got to be honest with you, I spent a lot of time praying, Lord, not a drought this year, for fear that it would be like those dirty 30s. The Lord spared us that. You look at places like Detroit, Michigan, and see entire neighborhoods that are just wasting away. And we're thankful here in Wyoming that the energy is still providing an income and employment for all of us. Our grocery bills may have doubled. Our stocks and our, our, our retirement accounts and that are probably not performing the way they were nine years ago. But we see God still providing for us. Today, as we look at our Thanksgiving sermon and look at this Old Testament sermon of Moses, we see that we want to thank the Lord for prospering us. We see that not all prosperity serves our eternal well-being. So we want to understand what true prosperity is. And we see that God is faithful to his covenant to this very day. Our text mentions the, the deliverance out of Egypt. The generation before this one, they're the ones who got to see those plagues. They got to see God deliver them from Pharaoh. 
And when Pharaoh finally let them go, but then came after them, they saw the largest army in the known world destroyed. They passed safely through the Red Sea, but then the Red Sea swallowed them, swallowed up Pharaoh's army. You would think those miracles alone would be enough to keep them faithful. Oh no, they're hardly out in the desert. Oh Lord, oh we're hungry. The Lord gives a manna, the miracle bread. You would think those, all those miracles alone would be enough to get them to trust in God. I've never seen such miracles in my life. Oh, Lord, we're fed up of this bread. The Lord stuffs them with quail meat that the desert could not have but through a miracle. You would think that would be enough. Oh, Lord, there's not enough water in this desert. The Lord makes water come out of a boulder miraculously. You would think by now they would have trusted in God. There's the golden calf affair. You would think that after that, finally they send out spies. Twelve spies are supposed to conquer the promised land. Ten of them come back and say, you know, we saw the Lord destroy the greatest army of our time, Pharaoh's, you know, the army of Egypt. There's no way we could possibly stand up to these individual cities here in Canaan. We're in trouble. Oh boy, you'd think they'd get it. God finally says to that generation, Enough! You won't inherit the promised land. In the meantime, there was one of the times that they were grumbling that Moses himself lost patience, but God had sent him to proclaim grace as he struck the rock for water. Second time. But that time Moses proclaimed law instead. So God said, Moses, you'll see the promised land, but you won't get to lead the people in entering it. Almost the entire book of Deuteronomy is Moses' farewell sermon. Afterwards, he's blessed. God lets him go up Mount Nebo. He gets to see the promised land. But then God immediately separates his soul from his body and takes him to the true promised land, heaven. God hides his body so that the devil cannot use it to get the people to worship it. And the generation will begin to conquer the promised land under one of the two men who said under God's care will conquer this promised land. Joshua, the other man being Caleb. They were the only adults of that generation to leave Egypt that will be allowed to step foot on the promised land. And Moses in his farewell sermon reminds this generation, the oldest of which would have been 14 when they left Egypt. He reminds them when God prospers you, don't forget the Lord. He says, when you have ate and are satisfied, in English we would say, when you have ate your fill, then you will speak well of the Lord your God because of the good land which He has given you. Moses looks ahead to the future. They would have that promised land, and in that promised land they would eat to their fill. And yes, this generation would thank the Lord because He truly is the one who gave them the promised land. Look at battles like Jericho. Who's ever won a battle in that way ever before or ever since? You circle around the wall seven days blowing trumpets and the walls come tumbling down? God gave them that land. But Moses warns them because God is going to prosper them. Watch over yourselves carefully so that you do not forget the Lord your God with the result that you do not observe His commandments judgments and statutes which I myself am commanding you today. 
so that you do not eat your fill and do not build good houses and live in them, and so that your herd and your flock do not become great, and so that your silver and gold do not become great, and so that all which belongs to you does not become great, because then you would become puffed up in your heart, and you would forget the Lord your God, who caused the event of your coming out of the land of Egypt, specifically the house of slavery. In other words, you would forget God is your deliverer. Sadly, this would happen time and time again. The people would turn to the Lord. The Lord would prosper them. Their, their gold and their silver would increase. They lived uh, as an agricultural society. Their herds and their flocks would grow. And then they would forget the need of the Lord. Go worship after false gods or completely forget about God. Then things would get bad. Oh, Lord, we've messed up. Moses had warned them it was going to happen so that they wouldn't let it happen. And some individuals who knew the word of the Lord and were faithful uh, stayed with that. But I've got to say, you and I can see the same things in our lives. What do I mean? When things are going well, our job is great, and we don't have that much to grumble about. There's always something to grumble about in this life, let's admit it. When our stocks are performing, when our retirement accounts are doing okay, when we have enough food on our table that we have plenty, when our health is good, we forget we need God. We take Him for granted. I, a pastor, often notice that the weeks when things go really smooth and there's no problems are the weeks that somehow I manage to forget to pray to God except for the customary habitual prayers like at the table. It's when things are miserable. It's when things are bad. It's when hard times come. It's when there's no place else to go because we're face down in the gutter that suddenly we remember, Ah! I've got a God who delivers me. And the amazing thing is our God is gracious and he's willing to pick us up and say, there, now you've remembered me. Let's go ahead and get things going again. See, oftentimes the hardships and difficulties of this life, we forget that they're actually blessings from God. Jesus said to his disciples, if you're going to follow me, you have to be willing to pick up your own cross and follow me. Now, lots of times crosses like that mean persecution from unbelievers or from supposed believers. But it also means that when we follow God, he loves us and he doesn't allow harsh things that will destroy our faith. But he'll allow hard times to come upon us as his custom tailored glove of love for us to remind us that we need him. I've noticed it's when the money is tight in the family and we wonder how we're going to pay that next bill that our faith is strong because we're clinging to the Lord. Yes, there are times of prosperity in which we thank the Lord too. Moses here gives us a warning and it reminds us too that not all prosperity is good for us, is it? It's funny because there are churches that make, make a living grow tremendously, giving people what their itching ears want to hear. Boy, we could name some of those popular names of people that will tell you, if you give to God, God's going to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. But what they mean by it isn't according to God and His wisdom. They mean according to the ways of this world. If you're, if, if you're in debt... Send, send all the money you can to the Fred Sherman Television Evangelism Ministries and God's going to get you out of debt. And sadly, people buy into this. Don't realize that maybe that God is prospering them by withholding a blessing from them so that they will cling to Him in faith. See, not all prosperity serves our eternal well-being and God's got the big picture. But He assures you, you're, He's taking care of you. 
You have faith. And he's using it for your well-being. And when he gives us prosperity, he gives it to us so that we're, we manage it properly. I've noticed some people can handle pro- certain areas of prosperity better than others. We all have various gifts. But we have reasons to thank the Lord. In our economy, our world right now, is, our, our country is turning more and more godless. And yet here you are tonight, hearing the word of God. Not all prosperity serves our eternal well-being, but everything is a gift from God and He promises to provide for us. And so we thank the Lord for prospering us, but that prosperity is according to His ways. It may coincide with earthly ways, it may not. So let me tell you about a professor of mine. I remember him telling us this day when well, one time in class, I can't remember if it was his first call or, or one of his early calls in the ministry, that he actually served as a principal at one of our parochial schools. Little girl who was in kindergarten or first grade had had a, a, a pious mother who wanted her in that parochial school, but her dad really kind of was indifferent to these things. One day they said the little girl and her mom said the table prayer, and when they were done, Papa got angry and said, I don't know why we thank God for this food. It was the sweat of my brow that provided it. I broke my back to give you this meal. Why are we thanking God for it? The Holy Spirit worked through the mouth of a little girl to say, Yeah, but Daddy, God gives you the health to do that. Somehow the Holy Spirit worked that day and it clicked with the man. If I were to get injured, I couldn't provide for my family. Thank you, Lord. The man took adult Bible information class and became a member. See, God is faithful to us even when we're not faithful to Him. He's always faithful to His covenant. And we're told in verse 17, Now if you should say in your heart, My ability and the strength of my hand has made this wealth for me, then you must remember the Lord your God specifically that He Himself gave the ability to you to make wealth in order to carry out His covenant, which He swore by Himself to you to your fathers as stands to this very day. God remains faithful to his promises, even when we're unfaithful, even when we take him for granted and forget to see him at work. It amazes me that God established the natural laws and how he works through you and others to provide for our church, Lord of Lords, and to provide and, and heal each other. Normally we expect a miracle and God will work through the natural means to take care of our needs. I often say, God sends rain on the unbeliever's land as he does on the believer's land. The difference is when he sends, when the rain falls on the believer's land, he's saying, I love you and provide for you. When it rains on the unbeliever's land, he's saying, I love you and want you to know that I provide for you. God is faithful to his covenant and that's comforting for you and I because something to give thanks to him about. He won our salvation. He said, salvation works like this. I will send my message to you. I would, that my message that you couldn't earn your forgiveness, and so I became a man for you, lived in your place, I was holy in your place, I suffered the punishment for your sins. And then we believe that because the Holy Spirit comes to that message, the Holy Spirit that God the Father and God the Son send into our hearts through that very message, and He makes us believe it, and so we're saved. God worked to bring you to faith, worked to bring you here tonight. And the amazing thing is, God's not going to turn around tomorrow or 10 years from now and go, ah, 
change my mind. You know what? You have to give so much offering if you're going to go to heaven. Nope. God stays faithful to his promises. Promises that whether you believe in him or not, he's going to see to it that you have food and the needs of your body right up until the time that he decides it's time to call you out of this life. God is faithful to his promises. Israel was not faithful to their promise. Moses warned them. They prospered, they turned from the Lord. Then when they were in hard times, they cried out to the Lord. But you know what? God still saw to it that the Savior was born as he promised there in Bethlehem. God makes the same promises to you and I. What a contrast. What a contrast to look at our economy, to look at the way our grocery bills cost more and everything else. Our economy really isn't prospering right now. Yet nobody in this room tonight is starving to death. What a contrast outside these walls. There are many unbelievers who will not and refuse to ever come and hear the word of God. Yet God's worked a miracle in your heart because he's faithful to you, has brought you once again to hear he loves you and will not let you go. And so we rejoice to see, as Moses was telling the Israelites before they conquered the promised land, thank the Lord for prospering us. Not all prosperity serves our eternal well-being. It can make us forget God. So God's prosperity is that he keeps us clinging to his cross through the faith he's given us. And we're thankful because God is faithful to his covenant to this very day. We may sin, but God will remain faithful. God keeps you in the salvation he won for you. Amen. Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices who wondrous things has done in whom this world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. We continue with hymn 615. We thank you for the blessing. <laughs> 